and welcome everyone to the inaugural edition of Double Down with Breslow. We're covering everything in the business of sports betting, and we've got a true legend joining us for our very first show. I tried to get Jennifer Aniston for my first show, but we, we couldn't get her. Instead, we, we, we did almost as well with the great Wayne Allen Root. Wayne, thank you so much for joining our inaugural show. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. If anyone at home saw the technical difficulties, which they didn't, of course, you'd know that I am one heck of a talented TV performer and professional sports odds maker. But when it comes to tech, I'm a complete moron. So thank God we're not talking about tech today on this podcast because it would not be a very entertaining uh, podcast. But we'll talk about sports gambling and that I'm good at and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as most people know, but if they don't, you've got a very successful political talk show called Raw and Unfiltered that is syndicated across the country. Uh, But you got your start, correct me if I'm wrong, all in sports betting. In fact, according to your bio, at the age of 16, the media dubbed you the betting whiz kid. What the heck was going on at 16 that you were already in the news about your ability to to pick sports? Well, you know, I did not have the most high class upbringing. I was born on the Bronx borderline, a little town called Malvern in New York. And uh, I was the only Jewish kid in an all Italian mob neighborhood. And everybody's father was a bookmaker. And so from a very young age, I was betting on sports with the kids. And from the age of 15 on, I was betting real money with a bookmaker. And so I started marketing myself and promoting myself as the next Jimmy the Greek. Jimmy the Greek Snyder at that point was the most famous Las Vegas odds maker in the world by far. And the only one whose name anybody knew because he was on the CBS NFL pregame show with Brent Musburger and uh, 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 Phyllis George. Right. The beauty queen Phyllis George and Irv Cross. Very few people remember all those names, but they were like my heroes. And I watched that show religiously. And Jim the Greek came on and made the football picks. And he was a real character. Uh, The only problem with him was very big personality, big opinions, opinionated and big character, bigger than life personality. But he never picked any winners. The guy was a loser. (laughs) So I laughed at him and I thought, what a loser. You know, I could do better than him. And I was constantly winning with all my friends and the bookmaker. So I promoted myself for the next many years to come as the new Jimmy the Greek. And and about 10 years later, you know, I started this at the age of 16 and at the age of 26, and I was going to be 27 in a couple of weeks. So almost exactly 10 years later, I was hired by what you now know as CNBC. In those days, it was called Financial News Network to be Jimmy the Greek's partner on national TV and to host five shows about sports gambling on weekends, college and pro football on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, you fast forward 10 years from this 16 year old kind of brash, no <laughs> brash, know it all kid. And I became the next Jimmy the Greek, exactly what I promoted. And there I was on TV with my old hero and nemesis, Jimmy the Greek, <laughs> by the way, hated my guts because I kept picking winners on CNBC and he could never pick winners. He was just a personality. So he just hated me. We got in fights on the air. They had to go to a commercial break twice in the first two shows because he was screaming at me on the air. Who do you think you are? You're a kid. I'm the king of gambling. I'm the king of Vegas. Who are you? It was very funny. And they what, sw- what, what was he? What was he like in, in real life? You know, when the cameras are turned off? Well, it was the end of his career and he was just a cantankerous older gentleman and angry at the world that his career was ending and he was older. And remember, he'd gotten kicked off CBS for making some ill-advised comments about black athletes and CNBC. He was out off TV for about a year 
And then CNBC hired him back to give him his second chance. And the second chance turned out to be with a partner, Wayne Allen Root. And so after about, I don't know, about five or six months of this, they decided we don't even need Jimmy the Greek. Wayne's good enough to do it by himself. And they fired him. And that was the end of Jimmy's career. And he was never on TV again and never heard from him again. And I became the Jimmy the Greek of my generation. And and over a two-year period on FNN, Financial News Network, now known as CNBC. I'm very proud to say I picked 77% best bet winners. Now, every game wasn't 77%. Nobody's ever done something like that in the history of the world. You know, the best handicappers of the world are 55 to maybe 60% or really 58% on every game you pick. But I gave a best bet every Saturday and every Sunday in the college and the NFL. And over a two-year period, I had 77% of my best bets on national TV for all the world to see. And that was when I decided who needs to do this for a salary at a network when I could do it for myself and start a business and sell my picks. And nobody really had ever done that in a big way. There were a couple of guys out there, Mike Warren and Jim Feist were probably the two kings of the industry. And uh, I really decided I would I would dominate the industry if I went out there with the huge following I had from, from FNN, CNBC. And so I left, started my own business, eventually went public on the stock exchange and uh, signed up some of the biggest names in sports to go on TV with me. To, I would pick the winners, but they would uh, you know, kind of be on the show analyzing games with me. And it would attract a lot of eyeballs because they were famous NFL superstars. I had uh, John Riggins. I had Randy w- uh, Riggins of the Washington Redskins, Hall of Famer, Randy White, the manster for the Dallas Cowboys, Hall of Famer. I had uh, Dan Hampton, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Bears, one of the great defensive linemen ever. And I had Phil McConkie, one of the funnest, most entertaining guys, big personality ever for the New York Giants. Little guy, five foot nine, who returned punts and wide receiver for the Giants after a great career at the Naval Academy. So I surrounded myself with four NFL stars and I picked my games. And over the course of, of many years, I had millions and millions of, uh, of people who bought my picks, the most of anyone we believe in the history of handicapping, maybe combined millions of people. It added up to you know tens of millions of revenue. At one point, James, I had the, uh, the highest cost 900 paper call lines in the history of the United States. I had a $50 line and a $100 line. I gave you my best bet on the $100 line. And on the $50 line, my three uh, you know second best bets for the weekend. And we had thousands of people calling uh, each Saturday morning at $100 a call and $50 a call. I remember the high. We once did $750,000 in sales on one Saturday morning. Wow. So you know, I had a heck of a business going. And uh, that's why I left FNN and went on my own. And now it's been 37 years that I've been in this business. And now my website's called VegasWinners.com. And it's a publicly traded company that owns it, Winners Inc. I'm the number one largest shareholder of the public company, Winners Inc. We own not only Vegas Winners, but another sports handicapping company and website as well. And we're looking to buy several more. And so I feel pretty good about things. The future of sports gambling is very bright, much brighter than when I was in it. In those days, it was illegal in 49 states. Now it's legal in 36 states plus Washington, D.C. So millions and millions of people are betting on the Super Bowl. I believe 50 million will have a bet on the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. 50 million in a nation of 330 million. Those are some pretty big numbers that are now betting legally on sports.
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how things change from the time when you were first giving those picks. The only way to place a bet was with your buddy or with an old school bookie, probably associated with with the mob, right? And you had the NFL going like this to to sports betting. You, You know, they wanted nothing to do with it. And look where we are today, where, as you point out, it's legal in most states. And the NFL and all these leagues are embracing it right. to the exact opposite extent of, as they opposed it to the point where they wouldn't even, uh, you know, allow a team to reside in Las Vegas. And James, and now, I was the pioneer. I was the guy who fought them on TV. I debated the commissioner of the NFL and representatives of the NFL and uh, uh, members of the church. I remember I had a debate on Bill O'Reilly's show, The O'Reilly Factor on Fox News, which had number one show on TV that had millions watching. And it was me against some minister who said sports gambling is immoral and you can't allow it and it will lead to fixed games. And I said, are you high? And, and by the way, I, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly religious person, but I bet on stocks my whole life. I bet on real estate. I bet on my businesses. And I said to him, there's no difference between me betting on the Dallas Cowboys or me betting on IBM or me betting on a, a million dollars on a small business. 70% of all restaurants fail. That's a huge gamble. No difference between me betting on, on real estate. Many houses go up, many houses go down. I said, there's no difference. The fact is, whether you like it or not, millions of American men are gambling on sports every Saturday and Sunday when football season is here and they don't care if it's illegal or illegal. So why don't you legalize it and create millions of of dollars of of tax revenue and thousands of jobs in every single state where it'll be legal. And I turned out to be 100% right and on the money. It's not a moral issue. It's risk. And a lot of people enjoy a little bit of risk and, and if they can make a little bit of or a lot of money. And it's just part of life. People love money. People love betting. People love gambling. People love investing. It's all in the same family. There's no difference between betting on Wall Street and betting on sports, except the result is instantaneous. Whereas on Wall Street, you might have to wait a few months or a few years to get a payoff in sports gambling. Three hours from now, you know if you won or lost. But other than that, it's all the same. And I was right. And it's all happened exactly as I predicted. It unfolded. Uh, And now we've gone from Supreme Court legalizing in 2018 to 36 states and Washington, D.C. And by next year, probably 40 states and the year after 44, 45 states with legalized sports gambling. In most cases, legalized online sports gambling, which is the key to all this, because in each state that has it, 90 percent to 95 percent of the money is bet online, not with people walking into a casino or a racetrack. They bet online. That's the future of all gambling in America and the world. Yeah, well, and Europe was way ahead of us on all all this. I mean, the sports leagues benefit tremendously from it because it just increases interest, keeps you interested in the fourth quarter when the team's down by 28 points because the line is 30 is 35. You normally would stop watching, but the game's still interesting now. Europe apparently figured this out a long time ago. I'm not sure why the U.S. took so long to follow in Europe's shoes, but I've always kind of wondered. You hear about these crazy soccer salaries that they give. You know, you you think salaries are crazy in America for for Pro, pro athletes. They're insane in Europe. And, right. you know, I wonder how much of that has to do with the fact that, you know, they've had gambling on on soccer way longer than we've had it here. 
Yeah, it's believe me, they're intertwined. I've always said, and this is the point I made for 30 years on television, sports gambling and television are intertwined. And every time you watch a football game and you're betting on the game, it's life or death. It's the funnest thing in the world. It's up and down. It's adrenaline rush. And I've always said that if, if more games are on TV, betting would dramatically increase and TV ratings would dramatically increase. And I was saying that in the 1980s and 1990s and early 2000s and it all came to pass. I don't mean to say I told you so, but I told you so. And so now virtually every single football game in America is on TV. So if you want to make a bet on a game, it's no longer, oh, wow, these five games are on TV in my area. You just turn on DirecTV, although next year won't be DirecTV anymore. But for the last 20 years, DirecTV gives you every single NFL game. And they also give you most college games. So it used to be when I was a kid betting in the 70s and then in the 80s, there were like two games on TV on Sunday. And that's it. If you lived in New York, it was the Giants and the Jets. And then you could watch Monday Night Football on Monday. But that was all you got on TV. Now, you know, I turn on five TVs in my living room and I watch 10 games at the same time with two on each screen. And then in the afternoon, I could do the same thing again. So there's no game I can bet on that I'm not watching. And I love, just like all people who bet do, I love to watch my investment run for a touchdown, throw for a touchdown, or sack <laughs> the quarterback. You know, to me, this yeah. is IBM at its finest, you know, betting on IBM or Microsoft or Apple. This is watching your investment sack the quarterback, and you just made a lot of money. And of course, now they've got the ability to bet on that sack, not just the game, but the sack, the next play, is it a rush, is it a pass? Will it be intercepted? Will it be a touchdown? You can bet in-game now, which is very interesting as well, and millions of people are, are doing that. Not my, not my cup of tea, by the way. I like betting on games where I know that I'm always going to win 55 to 60% of every game that I analyze and, and bet and give out to my customers at VegasWinners.com. And my best bets, just like the old days at uh, FNN, CNBC, my best bets are always in the 70s. 70, 72, 73, 75% winners. This season, I ended the season on a 17-4 and four run. In other words, this will be my final game, Super Bowl Sunday, and my single biggest play is called Pinnacle. It's my best bet. And it's 17-4 and four in the last 21 picks of the season. That's from October till now, 17-4 and four in the 80% plus range. So, and I, and I think I got burned the last one. I was 17 and three and I had the Dallas Cowboys against the San Francisco 49ers two weeks ago. And uh, believe me, when I tell you Dallas should have won that game, I was getting three. They lost by seven. And, uh, still like all gamblers. I still, I feel those losses. Well, you, you, you should have so called me. Worse. You should have called me Wayne. I had the Niners. You should have called me. You know, hey. you know, it's always the same. A loss is so much worse than a, than a win is good. <laughs> A loss stays with you for months. A win stays with you for one night. You celebrate, you go to dinner, and you go, yeah! And a loss eats at you for months. I'll never forget that Dallas loss. <laughs> All right, we got to take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to start talking about a couple big upcoming events. We've got the Super Bowl, and we got a presidential election. We want to hear your thoughts on both. You're listening to Double Down with Reswell. Hi, my name is Joe Grogan. And I'm Eric Ulan for DCEKG. DCEKG is all about the how and why of Washington, D.C., what's going on, what's going on behind the headlines. We spend a lot of time talking about healthcare and economic policy, but frequently delve into trade policy and sometimes national security or whatever's happening on Capitol Hill. 
Between Joe and I, we have nearly five decades of Washington experience. We put that to work with our guests to explain to you what's going on in Washington. I always found myself calling Eric when I didn't understand what was happening and always found him to be really good at explaining to me some of the things that I wasn't seeing. And I hope our guests will get the same type of insights. I always found myself talking to Joe when I couldn't believe what I was seeing happening to understand exactly how the heck we got to where we were. Tune in to DCEKG anywhere podcasts or YouTubes are available. You won't regret it. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. We are back with the great Wayne Allen Root. We want to talk about the Super Bowl uh, and, and have a tease some of the picks uh, for us there. Of course, you got to go to VegasWinners.com to find out who he's uh, recommending you bet on the Super Bowl. But I want to talk about some of the crazy props that that are available for the Super Bowl. And, and, and let me give a disclaimer here, because this is what, you know, I've got some really great rules of sports betting that have made me a winner for all these years. Matter of fact, I, I keep a, a running record. And I'm as far as my own bets, I've, I've been winning my entire life, 37 years of betting on football. 
12 and I've had one losing season. How many people could say that? Forget about winning percentages at the top or all your plays. Just can you make money at the end of the year with the bookmaker? One year I lost money and it was just a small amount and I lost the Super Bowl too. So that contributed to a bad year. But 36 out of 37 years of my life, I've made money at the end of the year and I'm way up right now. So unless I bet it all on Super Bowl, I'm going to have another winning year. I haven't decided yet how big I'm betting on the Super Bowl. But it's important that I note people tune in to hear about the Super Bowl and everyone's attention is on the Super Bowl. And these are people that have not watched the entire season. And they all think this is the biggest game of the year and the most important betting game of the year. And it's not. The fact is that no game in the playoffs is that big a bet for me because uh, forget the Super Bowl, even when there's four uh, playoff games in one day during Wild Card Weekend or three in one day during Wild Card Weekend, there were three on Saturday, three on Sunday and Monday Night Football. It, that means you only have three games to choose from. Picking one of them is not that easy. For me, it's a lot easier. And I know this is counterintuitive, but it's much easier when there are 16 games on an NFL weekend, Saturday, uh, Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, I find one great game or two great games out of 16. And, and that's a game you could bet a lot of money on. Uh, when there's, you know, 35, 40 college games, I find one great game where I've got a true advantage, a large winning edge. And, and that game you could bet a lot of money on. But when you get down to, you know, there's one bowl game left, the national championship, there's one foot NFL game left, the Super Bowl, you're trying to pick one game out of one game or or in the playoffs, one game out of two games or one game out of three games. There's no big edge in those games. So this Super Bowl, yeah, I've got a pick and I like it, but it's not as big an edge as on a typical NFL Sunday. And most bettors never came to me for those games. They just come to me for this one game thinking that this is the holy grail of betting. It's not. It's just the game everybody's watching and it's the championship game. So it's a lot of fun to bet on it. But is it the best bet of the year? Not even close. I just want to make sure everybody understands that. That's one of my biggest rules of sports betting. The amateurs bet on the Super Bowl. The professionals will bet the day after the Super Bowl on three college basketball games and bet more money on those than they bet on the Super Bowl. Okay, what about what about this? And I totally get your point. It makes a lot of sense. And, and I had never thought about that before. So it, it's a really good point. On your typical weekend, you've got 16 games to analyze and there's likely going to be like one, one. That, one you're going to find. Now, that being said, unlike on a regular Sunday for the Super Bowl, you've got a thousand prop bets that they don't normally offer you in a regular NFL game. So if you really dug in through all of those bets, and I don't know if you do that, but aren't you possibly uh, going to find a hole in one of those and find a, a best bet out of one of all of the prop bets? Yeah, you can, but there's also some incredibly stupid prop bets. I mean, anybody who thinks there's an edge on how long the national anthem will go and whether the toy cost will be, over, you know, will be Eagles or Kansas City, you know, heads or tails, you know, that's all 50-50 pure luck. And I don't get involved in 50-50 pure luck ever. Because by the way, as good as I am at what I do for 37 years, making money and making other people money and making millions as a, as a professional sports handicapper and the number one guy in the history of this business, as good as I am, I have no luck. I've never had luck. When it's down to luck, I always lose. When it's skill, I win. So that's why I'm always trying to analyze and find the one game to three games at the most where I've actually got an edge. And that's where my skill comes in. But if you just go heads or tails, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, 
uh, you're supposed to win 50-50. It never works that way. I would lose 60-40 the rest of my life. I have lousy luck. I would say the only luck I've ever had is bad. So luck is not a factor for most people. You've got to find an edge. And the average amateur has no idea how to find an edge. I always do. And so that's why I want to talk about my rules of sports gambling. Because people go, how do you pick these games, Wayne? And I'm about to show you how a professional who wins for 37 years actually picks the games. So Okay, let's hear it. Well, the average person thinks if you look at the X's and O's and you match up the offensive line with the defensive line and the defense with the offense and the quarterback with the defensive backs and the coaches and they look at numbers and they crunch numbers and they think you could win doing that and you can't if you could then all the anchor men and the hosts of all the tv shows would all be incredibly rich betting on sports but i got to tell you something they're actually all terrible losers you know i used to pick monday night football by just listening to the announcers in the few minutes before the game started and they always picked the side and all of them were on the wrong side every week and i would just rush call up my bookmaker and the second they gave their pick before the kickoff, I'd take the other side. And then I got that job at FNN, Financial News Network, CNBC. And I became the network's odds maker and NFL analyst. And I would listen to all the sports geniuses who were, you know, we had anchor men and hosts. And there were 20 of them on TV all day long. I would listen to them come into our, our uh, actual, you know, media room where they had their desks and their computers. And they would all just be back from an interview with the most famous players in America. We were based in LA. So they'd go to Dodger Stadium. they go to the Raiders game. In those days, the Raiders and the Rams were both in LA. They go to the Raiders games, the Rams games. They were in the locker room of the Lakers, the Kings in hockey, and they were interviewing all the most famous players in America on those teams and the teams that were in town that week. Then they'd come back to the newsroom, the media room of the newsroom, and they would immediately call their bookmaker and bet a game based on the inside information they just got in the locker room with the player. And all they ever did was lose. Which just go show you, there is no inside information. And the X's and O's don't matter. What's always mattered to me is the philosophy of Benjamin Graham. Do you, you know who that is, James? You probably I do. do. No, stock. I do not. Oh, you're not a stock guy? Benjamin Graham was one of the greatest stock analysts in the history of Wall Street uh, from, you know, 100 years ago, early 1900s, I think. And Benjamin Graham said, when everybody is betting on a stock, you want to get out of it. When everyone wants out of it, you want to get in. Because when everybody's in it, there's no one else left to get in it. has nowhere to go but down. And when nobody wants it, there's nowhere for it to go but up because nobody's in it. So when a few people change their mind and they get in it, it's going to go up. So you always, you know, kind of uh, we Willie Keeler in baseball said, hit them where they ain't. You're always doing the opposite of what seems intuitively the brilliant thing to do. You always, I'm a contrarian, in other words. I'm doing the opposite. So when the Jets lose three in a row and they look horrible and no one wants to bet on them, my best bet that week is the Jets. When the Jets are winning and they've won three in a row and the whole, every newspaper headline is how great they are and their head gets three times bigger and their wife says, you're the greatest. Uh, that's what I'm betting against the Jets because the other team will have a chip on their shoulder. My entire philosophy is contrarian, is don't make sense, is don't follow the herd, go opposite the herd. So every week out of 16 games, I find anywhere from one to three where everybody's betting on one side and I take the other side, which means I have value. Benjamin Benjamin Graham called his system value investing. And I find value taking three orphans that nobody else wants. 
If nobody wants the Jets, the Giants, and the Dallas Cowboys, I'm betting on them and I'm getting extra points. And they're in a bad mood and their wife hasn't had, had sex with them in two weeks because they look like losers and she's mad at them. And the fans hate them. And I'm betting on that guy because he's angry and he's motivated to win. And the other team has a big head and the headlines have all been great. And everyone's telling them how great they are. They have nowhere to go but down. And they're going to go out on that field overconfident they're going to lose. So I bet always on losing teams, underconfident teams against overconfident of teams, uh, teams that are low profile against the best offense in football. That's the kind of bets that I always make. I take underdogs that nobody else ever wants about 90% of the time and 10% of the time I take favorites that nobody's betting on this week. So that that's my preferred system of, of betting. And it's always about taking orphans, contrarian value investing. Does any of it have to do with watching how the line moves from the opening uh, line through the, through the day of the game? Well, I'm not as big on the line move, although I look at that, but I'm not as big on that as I am by just looking at how the line was set. You know, let's just say that a team looks like they should be a seven point favorite and the odds makers in Vegas make them a, a 10. I tend to take that favorite. Yes, they look three points too high, but the guys in Vegas are very smart and there's a reason they made them a 10 instead of a seven, you know? And so I take them, I give it, I lay the lumber. If they should be a seven and they come out a three, I go, wow, they're just begging you to take the favorite. I'll take the three with the underdog. I'm always doing the opposite of what makes sense. I'm mm -hmm. a contrarian and I'm always looking to go against the public. And don't forget, I know what the public's doing. There's a hundred websites that you can go to where you look at the betting percentages of where the public is betting. And I try and find the ones that all match. I don't like any, uh, if one of them is off, then I'm off the game. But if, if I'm looking at 10 sites, 10 offshore sports books, and all 10 of them, 70% or 80% of the money's on one side, you can bet I'm betting on the other side. And it's almost always the orphan that nobody wants. They almost always win. That's where I get my 70% plus winning percentage. When I find that one game every Saturday and that one game every Sunday that nobody wants. And I, I believe my record this year in uh, college football, my single best play from beginning to end of the season, uh, I was 12 and one. I don't have it in front of me, but it's either 11 and one, 12 and one or 13 and one. I think it was 12 and one for the season with my single best bet. And these are not coming from Wayne Root. You don't have to trust me. Every pick is sent to an independent monitoring service before the game begins. And I've got a tracking number and I've got literal proof time stamped of when I sent the pick and what the pick was. And they keep it and independently document my picks. And I finished the season at like 90% with my one best play in college football. And then I don't know that season's NFL record. I just know for the last since October, I was 17 and four with my best bet. So it's been a great season. I'm very good at what I do. All right. Well, they got to go to VegasWinners.com if they want to get your Super Bowl pick. But I did tease that you're gonna you're gonna give us something when it comes to props or something on the Super Bowl. And then I want to hear your thoughts real quick on the presidential election before we wrap up. So yes, what, what, what do you got for us on the Super Bowl? All right. The only thing I'll give away is is the obvious. I, I think it's obvious. I don't know if most amateurs see it, but every professional knows it. Philadelphia has one of the great defenses in all of football. Kansas City has one of the great offenses in all of football. And they both can work in the same game when it comes to prop bets. So the only thing I'll say is when you look at all the props, try and isolate maybe two or three of them. Don't bet on 50 prop bets. Find two or three where Philadelphia's offense, excuse me, Philadelphia's defense can overperform and find two or three where Kansas City's offense can overperform. Bet those six games, get good uh, six uh, prop bets, get good odds on all six, and you actually have a chance to win on both sides. 
because you can have a game where the defense does well for Philly and the offense does well for Kansas City. It can both happen in the same game. It is possible that Mahomes has a good game, but Philly also has a couple of interceptions, a couple of turnovers. Uh, you can you can find prop bets where you're betting on the defense of Philly and you're betting on the offense of Kansas City and you're getting good odds on both. That's the only thing I'll say about the game. If you want my actual picks, you got to go to VegasWinners.com where I'll give you the side, the total, and 10 prop bets that I really like. VegasWinners.com. Okay. And what about, since you do have a very successful political talk show, Raw and Unfiltered, uh, syndicated across the country, um, you got to pick politics for us. So I was just looking at it today. It was the first time I'd actually looked at it uh, in a long time to see what the odds are. I was kind of surprised to see that it's pretty tight. So to, so for the presidency, uh, there's no favorite. So Biden, you, you 100 to win 275. DeSantis, 100 to win 300. Trump, 100 to win 350. And then your next closest is Nikki Haley at 100 to win um, uh, 1800. Well, first of all, I, I don't know, you know, these people are all high because, you know, I study this 24 hours a day, even more than I study sports gambling, sports gambling. I study every weekend for football. Then I've got a staff of multiple people who work on these games 24 hours a day for basketball and baseball and hockey, which are everyday games. And I have no time for that anymore. But after 37 years, I've got the same group of guys around me for 25 plus years. Every one of them who picks all those games every single day, day in and day out. So that's my that's my system. I do the football. They do the rest. But but for politics, I work on that all day long, 16 hours a day. And by the way, my show is Wayne Al Root Raw and Unfiltered. I want to make sure everybody knows that because they wouldn't find just Raw and Unfiltered. It's Wayne Al Root Raw and Unfiltered on USA Audio Network. And it's also on Lindell TV every day at 7 o'clock Eastern for an hour. And it's on TV every weekend on Real America's Voice TV. I've got my weekend show called America's Top 10 Countdown. And I count down the top 10 stories of the week that I choose and that's on at noon Eastern on Real America's Voice TV Network every weekend. So those are the places you can find me in politics. My, my gut says several things about what you just said. Number one, uh, there is, forget Nikki Haley, there's nobody else that can win the nomination. Assuming he's alive and healthy, it's Trump or it's DeSantis. Everybody else is a joke and an afterthought. I've, I've seen 100 polls. I've studied them. Trump is 20 to 30 points ahead in almost every poll except a couple of outliers, 20 to 30 points ahead of DeSantis. And then comes the rest of the field. Uh, Pence is consistently around six points, seven points. Nikki Haley's consistently one or two. Everybody else is at one or zero. So there is no one else that can win the Republican nomination but Trump or DeSantis. That's it. If Trump falters, it will be DeSantis. Uh, if Trump doesn't falter, I believe it'll be Trump. Trump's the one to bet on. As far as the Democrat side, Joe Biden is never going to be the nominee. Please save this and play it back to me in two years. Joe Biden will never be the nominee. His own party is throwing him under the bus. His own government is throwing him under the bus. Why do you think they just found all of those classified documents in his garage? They could have covered that up. No one would have ever known they existed. Why did they bring him to the public's attention? His own DOJ, his own FBI, the D.C. swamp and the deep state is about to throw him under the bus. They know that he's a mumbling, bumbling, stumbling old man with dementia, and he looks like a fool on the national stage, and they can never run him again. Believe me when I tell you they're making room for either Michelle Obama, Hillary Clinton, or Gavin Newsom. And of my gut, I believe it'll probably be Gavin Newsom as the presidential candidate in 2024 for the Democrat Party. And one of those three may be the incumbent by them. Because I, I think Biden is, is going to be forced to, to drop out and, and leave the presidency in disgrace. So Biden is finished. He's done. The question is, who will be the Democrat nominee? And I gave you my three top choices. And who's running against him? And I think it'll be Trump or DeSantis. And I'm, and I'm 
you know, very certain it will be Trump if he's healthy. He's so old now. He looks great and sounds great, but he's like, what, 77 years old or 76? He'll be 78 when he's running and, and basically 80 when he's serving the beginning of his presidential. So he's an older guy. So if he stays healthy and he looks good and he's still sharp, which he is right now, Trump will be the nominee. DeSantis has to wait four more years. He will not beat Donald Trump. I guarantee you that. I speak to the people every day. Trump still has all the Republican votes. Trump will be the nominee. If he's getting 350, I would take the 350. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, to, to win the nomination, it's actually 125 for Trump, 150 for DeSantis. So this, uh, Trump is not that much of a favorite over DeSantis, uh, despite the polling that you you cite. But you, you did give our, our listeners some pretty good value propositions for presidency or, or let's go. Sorry for the Democrat nomination, because if you're right and Biden is no way going to be the nominee. You got some good money here. You can bet 100 to win 2000 on Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton uh, looks like it's 100 to win 2200. So it looks like Gavin Newsom is Gavin. uh, uh, Sorry, Newsom is 100 to win 800. Believe it or not, the favorite second is is Harris, which makes no sense. Makes no sense. She'll (laughs) never be the nominee. Never. They hate her. Um, It's embarrassing. Nobody likes her in the Democrat Party. And everyone on the Republican side thinks she's a joke who, you know, who literally screwed her way to the top. So nobody's voting for Kamala Harris on either side. She's a fool and she's made a fool of herself. Democrats said the other day, some anonymous Democrat source actually said that all the leadership of the Democrat Party uh, can't find one thing Kamala Harris has ever done. They they want to throw her overboard. So she'll be forced to step down. She'll never be the presidential nominee. She could try and run in the primaries, but she got no votes last time. She'll get no votes this time. Yeah. It won't be Kamala Harris. Don't underestimate Newsom. I hate to say that being in California, but uh, yeah, I told you, you he's know. my favorite. If yeah. I had to pick right now, I'd say Newsom will be the Democrat nominee. You know when I knew that? The moment he announced a month ago that he will not run for president, he fully supports Joe Biden. And I said, what? <laughs> That's the key that he's throwing Biden under the under the bus. So he could say, hey, I didn't I didn't stab him in the back. I was willing to support our leader. But, you know, he just dropped out. And so now everyone loves me. You know, that's kind of what's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap for Double Down, the initial episode, Double Down with Breslow. And we had the great Wayne Allen Root for our first episode. It couldn't have been better. Wayne, thanks so much for your time. Vegaswinners.com, Super Bowl Sunday. And then more importantly, as I keep stressing, every day after that for college basketball and NBA, you'll make a lot more money uh, when between now and March Madness than you ever could on one Super Bowl game. And you shouldn't risk that much on one Super Bowl game either. So there's my sage advice for the week, VegasWinners.com. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, James. I want you to smash that like button. (laughs) Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American Maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnerships YouTube channel.